0: This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Fantastic Negrito signed to Interscope Records under the name Xavier when he was in his 20s. He later got in a car accident that left him in a coma for three weeks. When he came out of a coma, he realized his guitar playing hand was severely damaged in the accident, and he had gotten dropped from his record label. He reinvented himself musically in his 40s as Fantastic Negrito and leaned in heavily to Southern Roots music. He went on to win three Grammy Awards, and he's now out with a new record. It's called White Jesus, Black Problems, inspired by his ancestor's love story.
1: Talk about a love, talk about a life, with Africa. Grandma got she fell in love with a man that had no name, he's a little sinner.
0: During the pandemic, he discovered that his grandparents from seven generations ago were a white indentured servant who had a relationship with a slave. Their mixed-race children were able to be free after seven years of indentured servitude. And this was back in the mid-1700s.
1: Got on my laptop and I just started, I don't know, browsing because I had time. I was doing things I never do, which is I checked inboxes, which I never do because you go to check them and it's just too much stuff. So I just give up. So I I really was sitting there for hours and I get to this message that was a year old and it was from someone that said, hey, you're my cousin. We're related. I, I thought, yeah, maybe I don't know. So I I click on the links and I get into the ancestry site and I go just towards the documents and I start to see that the first thing that's revealed to me is that everything my father has ever said about himself was a lie.
0: In terms of his ancestry or something?
1: in in terms of ancestry, ethnicity, where he was from. He had been married before. There was other children. I mean, it was, this was because my dad was born in 1905. My mom was 33 years younger than him. So he just made up stuff. And I saw his real name for the first time, uh, my real last name for the first time. And that's when I thought, wow, white Jesus, black problems. I mean, to think that this guy born in 1905, a generation removed from slavery, had to just create this identity to kind of navigate the, la- the landscape at that time. So I went to my mother's maternal side, which was always peculiar and strange to me because they were very well dressed. One guy looked white, but he's it says mulatto on his um, census. I keep looking at the census and I say, the year that they were dressed that nice, it was the year of slavery. And I thought, wait a minute, this is strange. So I look further and it says, oh, registered free Negro. And it just rung in my head like a gong, registered free. And I felt a lot of different emotions, different from finding my enslaved people. I felt almost guilty. I don't, I know that must be um. Strange for people that aren't African American, or if you are, like, but the, I, to be honest, I felt guilty, like, like we gotten away, they gotten away with something. Here they were dressed fine and free, and then their brothers and sisters were enslaved right down the street. This is in Virginia. And um I started Googling, and it said, hey, they're in Virginia during this time. There were, in fact, 50,000 free Black people. And I thought, wow, that's a narrative, like, So I start to look at um, their parents, the fourth generation, which is a surprise that I could go there being an African-American. We can't go to our fourth and fifth generation, but it's uh, on the computer, it's like fourth generation free, fifth generation free, sixth generation free. and So then I'm like, again, feeling strange. I think I get up and I'm walking around. I think, wow, and this may reveal something about me. I thought, man, if there's reparations, I may not even get all of them. (laughs) I mean, what a horrible thing to think, but I have to, I'm being honest. I'm like, why did I think that? I felt it was not a very particularly good feeling. It was very odd because it was outside of the narrative that I was used to. So here I am with my free Negro blood sitting at the computer. And then I get to this seventh generation, but there's just a woman. There's no man. So I thought, okay, I I figured it out. She must be like Sally Hemingway and the master had kids with her and set them free. Right. I was wrong. I read a document says Elizabeth Gallimore. I memorized this. Elizabeth Gallimore presented in Amelia County court in 1759 for unlawfully cohabitating with a Negro slave and having several mulatto children. Wait a minute. If they're mulatto and she's white. And then I just was in disbelief. I, the whole world, I looked outside, it looked different. And I thought this is a mistake, and I went back, I traced it again, and it goes right back to this family of uh, the Gallimores. And uh, I have 14 siblings. So, I mean, I've got doctors, lawyers, I call my brother, he's a PhD in history. So that happens when he got 14 siblings. And he's he's like just as blown away as I am. And I send him the documents and he goes, OK, he figures it out from the language bound apprentice means our seventh generation. Grandmother is a intended servant, Gallimore. That's, you know, most likely Scottish, not Irish. He figures it out. He goes. You know, they lived in close proximity in the mid 1700s. America wasn't a country yet. And so then I just said, okay, I got it from here. And so I just filled it in and I'm like, okay, she's probably cleaning up inside and, you know, stares outside. Oh my God, this this glorious, sweaty, melting chocolate bar hunk in the sun of a grandfather, my grandfather. And she's probably like, oh my God, they said these people were animals. They said they weren't human, but honey, it looks human to me and delicious and delicious. So yeah, I'm being silly, but yeah, I, you know, I just used my artistic license to construct this love story. And I was I was like, this is the most punk rock thing ever. Like in the 1700s that, you know, we there's so many hot topic buttons that we go, oh, you know, we're like, you know, white supremacy, oh, we're like white privilege, oh, oh my God, you know, racial justice, all these things. That, and I thought, well, hell, here's two people that didn't care much really about Her white privilege, she didn't care much about that. She's just like, I'm in love. Yeah, it's it was just fascinating, you know, that here these two people who were my seventh generation grandparents decided to challenge the edifice of white supremacy at the time with love. And it felt like Romeo and Juliet. So immediately there was my album. I got inspired.
0: So, I mean, with their story, again, your your seventh generation great grandmother marries uh, a slave, which I understand. Did you ever find out what his name was?
1: No, I don't think it even said married either. I didn't find any
0: Uh,
1: idea that they married. But what I did, it says an unnamed Negro slave. So I named him myself, Grandfather Courage.
0: Grandfather, courage, and then, but at some point, I mean, there's a song called "Nibidip" in in this album where you talk about her having to go to court because of of this relationship.
1: And they her in the court,
0: Did that actually happen?
1: Yes, when it says. The language at the time says Elizabeth Gallimore is presented in Amelia County Court in 1759. So I'm thinking presented means at that time must have meant, you know, prosecuted. I don't know. So it wasn't that um, that's all there is on that document. What it did say as I I kept digging deeper is that how I knew that this was definitely my grandmother. It says she didn't show up for court. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, did 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 anything happen? Like, did like the, the authorities ever come down on their relationship or anything?
1: They said that this is what I from the document says. Nine years later, then they caught up with her. She just disappeared, and then um, it says nothing about that. But it says this: it lists their children, and it says like every time the children are born, they are born bound apprentice bound apprentice meaning indentured servant and so they couldn't be slaves because the woman is a white indentured servant i think it was the status of the mother that counted so they had to be indentured servants and then they were free after that and that's how my family became free and and i just thought wow this is just carried on through generations and that we could do something you you know people like how did you survive your coma And just keep going. I I have these people in my blood, man, that there's, that the obstacle becomes the fuel. I know myself now. I know, I I come from some courageous people and and who knew I was 28% European? I mean, I had, like, where? You know, (laughs) but but it's, um, yeah, it's amazing because then I did the DNA test after that. So I came from a long line of people who, Didn't give a damn and they mixed. And I think, you know, people are like, oh, you're, you're non-traditional and you're a a genre bender and you, yeah, I think, yep, just like my grandparents, I'm like them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, your your great, 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 great grandparent story. And then your personal story. I mean, so you were raised the first years of your life in a very rural white town in Massachusetts. And then when you were 12, your family moved to Oakland, which is like a world of a difference in terms of people and culture. You know, after you moved to Oakland, I understand, like, your dad kind of kicked you out of the house, so you're on the streets for a while. Yes. Um, homeless as a teenager. And and I'm just curious if, like, your ancestor story you tell in this record just makes you reflect differently on your own upbringing here in the States?
1: Well, I think I got to know myself better by reading about them. I understood why I felt the way that I felt about the world. It made Yeah, it made a lot of things clear. I feel different about, I think. I just look at race a lot differently and um, you know, it further emboldens the point that everything can be accomplished and I have this fire inside of me and and there's a punk rocker that lives inside of me that always has. And I'm like, I know why it's a beautiful thing. It's emotional and I'm very happy and I'm very, very proud of them. And I really wanted to honor them. So I made an album. I made a film and I wanted, I felt like they were tapping me to tell this story, the story of how people got something done. That's what I take away from the story. And I want the world to take away is that at times it feels like we can't get anything done. And here were two people, they should have never gotten anything done together and they did. And I thought that inspires me and I hope it inspires people.
0: That was Fantastic Grito talking about his new album, White Jesus Black Problems. He'll be performing at Seattle's Neptune Theater on Wednesday, June 15th. with sound and vision please take a moment to subscribe rate and review this podcast and consider giving a one-time 20 dollars donation to help support this show at kexp.org sound thanks for listening